Well, good morning, Springbrook. Welcome to the house of the Lord for worship. We are so delighted that you are with us this morning. Thank you for being here. If you're worshiping with us online, a special welcome to you as well from wherever the Lord has you today. I want to remind you that as always, we have online hosts who are available for you all throughout the service. They'd love to answer your questions and they would love to pray with you. So use that request prayer button. I encourage you to make a profile, participate in the chat. We really want you to feel connected and a part of this community from wherever the Lord has you today. Well, I'd love to invite you all to stand now as you are able in body or in spirit for our call to worship. And our call to worship today is a familiar verse to many of us. It is John 3.16 which says God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And eternal in this verse has a greater connotation than just referring to a period of time that is to come. This word eternal in the Greek actually refers to those qualities that describe the age to come and the fact that we can access them right now. So we have access in Jesus to abundant, beautiful, free, whole kingdom life right now, today. Let's lift our voices. Let's celebrate that in Christ, whoever believes in him has eternal life. Yeah. 
battle 
In John chapter 10, the Apostle John recounts the words of Jesus, telling the people that he is the good shepherd. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And we see the thief doing an awful lot of that around us right now, don't we? But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So in Jesus, we're not only saved from Something. We're not only saved from sin, we're saved to something. We're saved to eternal, abundant life. And we get to sing praises, joining our voices with the angels around the throne. That's something we get to do right now, today. We get to access that abundant life today. Singing praises to the only one, the only one who is worthy to receive it. So we're going to teach you a new song this morning. I pray that it blesses you. Join us as you pick up the melody with us. Join the angels and 
together in prayer. Father, we thank you that in Jesus, that in Christ and by the power of your spirit, we have access to you, to abundant life right now, today, coming to you, surrendering our lives to you. It's not just a promise. It's not just a future hope. It's not a ticket to heaven. It's an invitation into a new way, a new life, a new kingdom, a new citizenship. Right now, you give us access to this abundant life in you. So no matter what is going on around us, no matter what we're facing, we can join our voices with the angels around the throne and sing, Holy, holy is the Lord our God. Father, we thank you for the privilege that it is to come before you. That we can stand before the throne of grace without fear, knowing that in Christ we are not just acceptable in your sight, but beautiful and welcomed and loved and delighted in. May we believe that today. May we come to believe our belovedness just a little bit more completely today. And may we walk in that truth May we choose the narrow path that leads to life. May we trust you that it is every bit as worth it as you say that it is, that you are every bit as good as you say that you are, that your promises are true, that you will fulfill them, that you are with us in the meantime. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you to minister to our hearts where we're grieving, where we're struggling, where we're anxious, where we're weak. We need you to give us clarity of heart and mind this morning that we might be able to receive something transformative from your word today. You have good work to do today in us and through us. We pray that we would be wide awake to the movement of your spirit. Help us to see you and hear you clearly this morning, we pray. Father, we love you, and all of this is for you. It's in Christ's matchless name, by the power of your spirit in us, that we pray. Amen. And you may be seated. Hmm. Well, good morning. Welcome to Springbrook Community Church. We are so glad that you are with us this morning. Uh, If this is your first time uh, with us today, we want to extend a special welcome uh, to you. My name is Richard. I'm the lead pastor, and we are so glad that you are with us. If you're a regular attender, uh, we're glad you're here as well. 
And uh, if you're watching with us online, we want to welcome you as well. I was chatting with some of our online families this morning, and uh, I know we want to you know, just be able to bless you. Uh, we know that you are, uh, if you're traveling, we pray that you're being safe. If you're checking Springbrook out for the first time, uh, we're glad you're watching with us online as well. If you are online, there's an online connection card that you can click. Uh, just let us know that you were here. You can log on, say hi. Our online uh, prayer hosts are available to, uh, to pray with you, answer any questions that you might have. Uh, if you're in person with us this morning, you've got that connection card that's in your seat, and I just want to encourage you to uh, take that out for a moment. Uh, you can share with us as much information as you feel comfortable sharing. If you have any questions, uh, you can share those uh, at any time during the service. Uh, there's a place for you to share any prayer requests that you might have. And then there's a place to drop them in the back on your way out this morning, and um, we'll get back to you. Uh, but I uh, also want to let you know that we're going to be kicking off our, our Holy Week celebration in two weeks. And so we have uh, some special services uh, for our Palm Sunday service. We've got a prayer gathering on Tuesday. We have our Good Friday service. And then ultimately, we're going to be celebrating Easter together. And so we're looking forward to that. And so if you have any questions about any of the activities or services, uh, be sure to visit our website, uh, springbrook.org slash Holy Week. You can find that on our app or our website as well. It's going to be a great time as we celebrate um, together, uh, the joy of following Christ and just encouraging one another. And so if you've got any questions, uh, be sure to let us know. I also want to let you know we kicked off uh, Celebrate Recovery uh, last year. We have a large team of men that have gone through all the STEPS uh, classes, and we're going to be kicking off a large group gathering on April 5th. And so if you know somebody that uh, could use some support in overcoming hurts, habits, or hang-ups, Uh, On August the 5th, we're going to be kicking off with a large group gathering. Uh, They'll have some small group time, and then they're going to be able to continue um, with their breakout uh, classes uh, as well. But if you have any questions about Celebrate Recovery, please be sure to visit our website, uh, download any information you need on your app. But uh, be praying uh, for our Celebrate Recovery ministry as we step into uh, working and helping people work through uh, hurts, habits, and hang-ups. I also want to let you know as we move through Easter and as uh, our attendance starts to pick back up, our ministry is starting to re-engage. We have many, many serving opportunities um, at Springbrook. In fact, our cutting team uh, met this past week. They had breakfast together. We've got a team that's getting ready to uh, start cutting the grass and working on the landscape. Um, Our children's ministry, our youth ministries, student ministries, everything's gearing up as we move towards the spring. And so if you're looking for a place to get connected, to make some friends, and, uh, and just to be a part of what God's doing at Springbrook, I want to encourage you to visit our website, springbrook.org slash serve. We've got a complete list of opportunities uh, for you. I'm sure there might be something that looks like fun uh, for you. Maybe it's welcoming guests or there's all kinds of places to serve. I think there's like 25 different service, serving opportunities right now. So you can jump in, you can try one of those. Uh, but uh, let us know how we can help you get connected. In fact, we're getting ready to uh, host our VBS coming up in June as well. I'm going to invite Michelle uh, Howe to come out now. Michelle is our children's ministry director, working along with Pre T. Solonio. So I just pronounced her last name for me. Get that in there. Tenorio. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I don't know. Yeah. But um, you guys have been doing a great job preparing for uh, VBS. We're really looking forward to what God's going to do there. It's a great outreach for us. We connect with a lot of kids uh, during the summer. I know right now we're praying for leaders as we prepare for VBS. And so tell us a little bit about what's happening with VBS this year. Sure. So we are so excited to host many kids here this summer, but it's going to take a lot of volunteers to do that. And we are looking for 10 small group leaders and 10 small group helpers. And that should enable us to have about between 50 and 75 children here. Mm -hmm. But on top of that, we are looking for an MC, someone who can lead us through each section of our VBS with skits and Bible memory and 
many other things that get kids excited to be here. We're looking also for craft leaders, uh, worship team, snack leaders, admin helpers, registration, just across the board. We're looking for all volunteers. So I know you're looking for 10 leaders and 10 helpers, so there's 20 people that we need just to kind of work with kids groups. Then you've got about 50 uh, open positions for VBS in general. And that's exciting because I know that the number of leaders kind of determines the number of kids we can kind of reach. And so we're really praying for the ability to be able to connect with uh, that many children as we move into the summer. One of the things that's exciting for me personally about VBS is this is a great opportunity for us to be able to connect with families in our community. And so every year at VBS, it seems like we have at least 5, 10, you know, 15 kids that make faith commitments for the first time. And so VBS is really an important part of our uh, ministry as we, as we seek to reach our community, engage families. And so it's been exciting to be able to watch the way you guys invest and love on those kids. And so I want to thank you and pray for your leadership. And then I also know as we head towards Easter, our children's ministry uh, has been offering uh, a full service uh, children's ministry at 11 and just infants and toddlers at nine. But for Easter, we're going to be able to go back to a full children's ministry. And we're kind of praying for leaders as we move into the fall for children's ministry. So how are things going in children's ministry? Children's ministry is going awesome. The kids are really having a great time. We are fully staffed for the 11, which is great. But as we move into the fall, we're going to add another service for full kids ministry, and we will need volunteers for all those spots. It's about 25 volunteers a week that we need for that to add another service. Yeah, well, our children's ministry is really an important part of how we connect with families uh, at Springbrook. And I just want to thank you and pray for your leadership, for our leaders back there. You guys are doing a great job. Thanks for all you do. Thank Thanks you. for coming out this morning. Thank you. Yeah, so if you have any questions about VBS, please uh, see Michelle. She's at the children's ministry desk after the service, or be sure to visit our website, springbrook.org slash VBS. In fact, let's watch this brief video, and then we're going to come back together in just a moment. Blessing up with the sidekick. Calling all space rangers. We have a mission for you. We're blasting off on a VBS space adventure with our friend Norby. You better buckle up though. There's turbulence ahead. Greetings. It is I, Captain Crank, the crankiest kitty in all of outer space. Captain Crank won't stop until our plans are perfectly foiled. Don't worry though. With the help of Norby, we'll outwit that cranky kitty and discover that the glory of God is out of this world. The countdown to VBS has begun, so sign up today. Yeah, so uh, the kids I know are going to have a blast. We're really looking forward to uh, to this opportunity, and so if you have any questions, uh, please uh, be sure to let us know. Uh, how we can help you get connected to VBS. So I was at the uh, grocery store uh, recently, and I had walked up to the front to pay for my groceries, and when I got to the front, there was two lanes. And so I'm stopped, and I'm looking, I'm watching what's happening at the two lanes, and uh, one lane, the checker, she's moving kind of fast, but there's some large baskets there in the line, and then one lady's kind of fumbling around trying to find her wallet. And I looked over at the right lane, and that checker was moving really slow, uh, but there was uh, only... A few, and a few people with large orders in their line. And so I'm standing there. And you know what I'm thinking, right? I'm thinking, wow, which lane do I pick? And so I'm standing there for a while trying to summarize. And all of a sudden, I feel people coming up from behind me. I was like, oh, I got to pick one. So I moved over to the left lane because she was moving faster. And sure enough, people got behind me. And so we all stood in line waiting to 
check out for our groceries, and you know what happened, don't you? <laughs> it happens every time to me. So I'm standing there, and all of a sudden, I'm watching the, you know, the lane starting to move, and this person now all of a sudden's got a price check, and they can't find this, and she's got some questions, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I picked the wrong lane again. So I don't know what that experience has been like for you. But today, in our passage today, um, we're going to be looking at uh, two choices, two lanes that people get to pick from. Two lanes or two paths or, or two gates. And Jesus, when we're making this decision about our two lanes, our two paths, our two gates, gives us all the information that we need to know to pick the right lane the first time. And so that's what we're going to be looking at. Jesus is going to give us a, uh, some tips on how to pick the right lane. Um, we're coming to the close of our Sermon on the Mount series. Um, we have been looking at Jesus' list for how we can experience the kingdom of heaven. We've been looking at blessings, uh, roles of marriage and relationships, uh, being truthful and speaking in love to one another, uh, prayer and fasting, being salt and light in the world, uh, giving our time and our treasures, how to overcome anxiety, Last week, we looked at wisdom and what it means to ask in faith. And it would be really easy to look at a list like this and say, oh, okay, well, if I want to have a relationship with Jesus, if I want to know about the kingdom of heaven, you know, all I have to do are, are things on this list, right? And so it would be really easy to reduce our relationship with Christ to nothing uh, but a list. But it's something completely different to ask who is living this out, you know, it's one thing to say, here's the list. It's another thing altogether to say, hey, what does this look like in my life? And am I living it out? In other words, who has a genuine relationship with Christ? You know, Jesus gives us the keys for how to experience the, the kingdom of heaven. You know, we're in this world. Um, the world is fallen and broken, but we also know that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, and so we get to experience the kingdom of heaven today. And so Jesus gives us some tips and a, kind of a list on how we can experience this kingdom of heaven. But he also is going to challenge us as to whether or not we really have a relationship with him. And so we've got a nice list of how to experience the kingdom of heaven. But Jesus wants us to think about what it means to have a personal relationship with him. And that's the path that we're going to be looking at today. Each one of us, while we're living now, needs to make a choice about this path that we're on and how to have a relationship uh, with Christ. I have seen this happen uh, more than once. Uh, typically, it's when you're uh, deboarding and boarding an aircraft, uh, but the flight attendant will get on, uh, come over the speaker and say, good morning, ladies and gentlemen, we're glad that you're with us on flight number 123, going to whatever the destination is. And then as soon as the destination's announced, they'll say, if this is not the right plane, you know, this is the time to deboard. And sure enough, every once in a while, somebody will stand up and go run to the front with their back because they, they got on the wrong plane. And I, I really don't understand how that can happen. Typically, it's, you know, during the confusion of boarding and deboarding. Typically, people get on the right plane the first time. But every once in a while, someone will find themselves on the wrong plane trying to get to the front to get off. And it would be really interesting if, if somebody, when they were sitting there, heard they were on the wrong plane, just decided, you know, not to move, not to get off the plane. It'd be like, well, I thought I was going to Hawaii, but I guess Milwaukee will be okay. I mean, if you were on the wrong plane, you'd be thinking, hey, I need to get off this plane and get on the right one. 
And we need to make sure that we are on the right plane. We need to make sure that we are on the right path, so to speak. And, and this morning, you might find yourself on the wrong plane or on the wrong, pla- on the wrong path, and, and you might be thinking to yourself, hey, I need to get up and do something different. And hey, that's okay, because we want to make sure that people are on the right path. And, and that means we might need to make some changes in our life as we think about how to have a relationship with Christ. The Sermon on the Mount has outlined for us how we are to live our lives. Jesus said, these are the standards that I'm giving you. They're for your benefit. And if you really are a follower of mine, and if you really have a relationship with me, he's made us an invitation to follow him. And we'll see these things in our lives as we're living in this world in anticipation of his coming. Today we're in uh, Hebrews Uh, we're in the book of Matthew, chapter 7. I'm actually working on this series for Hebrews. I'm excited about Easter and our postseason. We're going to be doing a series in Hebrews. But today we're in uh, the book of Matthew, and so if you brought your uh, Bible with you, I want to encourage you to turn uh, to Matthew, chapter 7. If you're watching online with us this morning, uh, there's a little tab down at the bottom, and you can click that to open up your Bible, or you can just listen along as uh, I read from Matthew, chapter 7. We're in verses 13 through 29 uh, this morning. Jesus says this, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it, there are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every, every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruit. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone who then hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had a foundation that was on rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not, doesn't do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain would fall, the floods would come, the winds would blow, and they would beat against that house. It fell, and, the, and great was that fall. And so that's the passage that we're looking at this morning, and we're going to be looking at um, two choices that Jesus gives us. And we're going to be looking at two warnings, and then we're going to be looking at it's an encouragement. But let's pray as we prepare to look at this text together. Father, I just want to thank you uh, for this day you've given us today. I thank you for the opportunity uh, we have to, uh, to study uh, your word together. I thank you for the hope that we do have in Christ and for the offer uh, to enter into a relationship with you. And uh, God, we just lift our time up to you this morning. I pray that you would soften our hearts to what you would have for us. And we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. So Jesus has presented us with uh, two choices, uh, two warnings, and an encouragement. The first thing we want to look at is the two choices that he presented in verses 13 and 14. He said this, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. 
For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. And so we have these two paths that we get to choose from. We have the wide gate, the wide path, and we have the narrow path with the narrow gate. And so those are the two choices that we're presented with. And Jesus is contrasting these two things intentionally so we can get a glimpse really clearly of what it means to have a relationship with him or not. And so when you look at the, the narrow path, that word narrow uh, comes from the word uh, steno, um, which means to groan, to groan. And so it's almost like um, there, there shall be a small gate that's really hard to get to. And it's contrasted with this really wide gate that's wide open and easy breezy to get through. And so Jesus sets up this contrast so that we can be clear about what it means to have a relationship with him and what path to be on. There's no other choices. There's the, there's the wide path that is easy and there's the narrow path that is hard. And so Jesus wants to be able to see with clarity those two paths. And so he uses this example of wide and, 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 and narrow to kind of help us to understand which path that we're on. And so the question that we each have to ask ourselves is, you know, what path are we on? And so he's contrasted a wide path that's easy to get to, where everybody is on, and then he's contrasted that with a narrow pathway that's hard to get on. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, which path are we on? Or let me ask you this question. You know, which gate do you want to go through? And so it's a decision that each one of us needs to make. There's the wide path that leads to destruction, and everybody's on it. There's a wide path that leads to destruction, and then there's a narrow path that leads to life. And it's a little bit more difficult. And so presented with those two choices, which one would you want to choose? Would you want to choose the path that's and the gate that's going to lead to destruction, or do you want to choose the path and the gate that is going to lead to life? And it seems like a very straightforward choice to me, doesn't it? I mean, just given those two options, who would not want to pick life? You know, the Spirit of God is working. The Spirit of God is drawing people into a relationship with himself. The Spirit of God fills us and enables us to grow in our faith. And each one of us gets to make a choice about which path we're going to travel. And it doesn't matter how old we are. It doesn't matter how much money we make. It doesn't matter where we work. It doesn't matter what we do. The Spirit of God is at work in people's lives, drawing them into a relationship with himself. No one can come to the Father unless the Spirit draws him. And then Jesus says, I'm going to raise him up on the last day. So the Holy Spirit is drawing people into a relationship with himself. And it doesn't matter your age, your, your vocation. I mean, my kids made faith commitments when they were five. I made a faith commitment when I was 33. My dad made a faith commitment when he was 65. I've seen people make faith commitments. I've baptized people that were in their 80s. I mean, this is, it doesn't matter our age, our vocations, our status. The Spirit of God is, is ever calling people into a relationship with himself. And sometimes people have never had an opportunity to respond to the gospel. Sometimes they never really understood what clarity, what it meant. But the Spirit of God is at work drawing people into a relationship with himself. He's moving them from the wide path over to the narrow path. And that's what the Spirit of God does, is he draws people into a relationship with himself. 
We looked at this at the very beginning of our series. We talked about the kingdom of God and the way that the Holy Spirit works in it. And so we've got this world that we're a part of. And, and, and people get an opportunity to hear about their need for a relationship with Christ. I, I have never run into anybody that has not heard the name Jesus. The real question is, is what have they done with that information? And we talked about the four different types of soils in Matthew 13. Sometimes people hear about Jesus and it's like, it's good news. It just falls on the path and it gets trampled. Sometimes it falls into rocky ground and has difficulty growing. Sometimes it falls in among the thorns. It starts to grow and it gets choked out. Every once in a while, it falls on fertile soil and it grows and you actually see a harvest. And so the Word of God goes out, drawing people into relationship with Himself. Most people don't do anything with it because that path is wide and it's easy to go on. And most people just, ugh, that's too much work. And they fall off along the way. But the kingdom of God is, is experienced when, when, when God calls somebody into a relationship with themselves and they go through that narrow gate and then this whole new world opens up to them. When I made a faith commitment and I realized this whole new world, up, does anybody else know this? How come nobody doesn't know this? Everybody should know this. And so when you cross that line of faith and you become a Christ follower and you go out into this pasture, your world opens up. And so Christianity today is about attracting people. We know we want to help. We want to be attractional, but that pathway to that narrow gate is hard to get through. And that's where Christian life begins. We cross over that line of faith, and it is then that we're able to experience the fullness of new life. We're able to experience life to the full. We're able to experience the peace that Christ provides. We're able to experience the fruit of the Spirit. You know, in John John chapter 10, verse 9, Jesus says this, I am a door. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out, and he will find pasture. And so when we go through that door, we go out and we begin to experience the joy of being in the pasture. Jesus is a door and we enter into the kingdom of heaven as a result of what he's accomplished for us on the cross. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came so that they can have life and have it abundantly. Jesus is a door. In John fourteen six, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so Jesus is making a claim that we can experience the kingdom of heaven now because of his birth and because of his death and because of his resurrection, but there's going to be a point where Jesus returns and we're going to be able to experience these things for all eternity. We're separated from our bodies at death. Our bodies go into the ground. We go into God's presence or apart from God's presence until Christ returns, and at which point we're going to be reunited, new bodies, and you're going to spend eternity either in heaven or in hell separated from God. And so that's the reality. And so Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can get to the Father except through me. See, Jesus is the gate. He is the gate to the kingdom of heaven, and he is the only way in. And that raises some questions for us, doesn't it? For me, it raises the questions about having a relationship with Christ. And so one of the motivators for me as I talk to people about how to have a relationship with Christ is I want them to be able to experience the the fullness of life that that Jesus promises. I want them to be able to experience the promise of heaven and, and the reality that that presents. And so for me, it raises questions about how to have a relationship with Christ. But for many people, they object to the fact that there is only one way to heaven. Many people object to the fact that there's only one way to heaven. I've had conversations with people that believe that that's narrow-minded. 
It's narrow-minded of you to think that there's only one way to heaven. There's multiple ways to heaven. And so uh, I've been accused of having a narrow mind, and as if it's a bad thing. You know, having a narrow mind or having a narrow view or having a narrow position. It comes across as intolerant to many people. That's very narrow-minded of you. It's used in an, as a negative thing. Many people believe that we should be broad-minded. We should have our minds opened up, and we need to be experiencing new things. And, and so we get into this conversation about narrow-minded versus broad-minded if, as if that is the choice. When we talk about being narrow-minded, it does not mean that we're not open to new ideas. It does not mean that we're not open to having conversations. It does not mean that we're not open to new perspectives. It doesn't cut off a relationship. Narrow-minded means holding on to some truths that are simple and absolute. Being narrow-minded is focused. And you definitely want your pilot of an airplane to be narrow-minded, don't you? When you get on that plane and you think you're going to Hawaii and he comes over, hey, well, I know we're supposed to go to Hawaii, but, you know, I'm feeling open-minded today. I'm thinking we all should try Milwaukee. I mean, you don't want your pilot being open-minded, do you? They told us that uh, we need to land on runway 12, but I'm feeling kind of open-minded today. I think we're going to try 25, so buckle up and hang on. You know, we don't want narrow-mindedness in our pilot. You certainly don't want them to be narrow-minded for your, for your doctor. Do you want your doctor to be narrow-minded or open-minded? Hey, doc, did you get my kidney stones? Yeah, I got your kidney stones. But I was kind of open-minded while I was in there. And I noticed you had an extra kidney. So, so I took that one out too and, and gave it to somebody else that was in need. Is that okay with you? And so narrow-minded is focus. And we contrast these things like it's a bad thing, but it's not. We need to be narrow-minded. We need to focus on specifics. You know, it, Jesus makes a very specific and, in, and, a, and a very um, exclusive claim about himself. He is the narrow gate. He is the narrow path. He is the way to heaven. He is the only way to heaven. And here's the good news. Every one of us can choose that path. You see, it's not exclusive to the extent that you're not allowed in. It's exclusive truth claim, but it is available to everyone. Anyone can choose that path. We all get to choose which gate we're going to enter. We all get to choose what path we're on. And if we're on the wrong path, the good news is that the Spirit of God will call you into a relationship with Himself, and He'll put you on the right path. It's just a matter of standing up and saying, I am on the wrong flight. I need to go get on the other one. Or I am on the wrong path. I need to go get on the other one. And the Spirit of God is active in that process. He doesn't even make, you do, make that decision on your own. He draws you into relationship with himself. He gives you his Holy Spirit to fill you to accomplish his plans and purposes for your life. In Romans 10, 9, it says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so if you're on the wrong path, or that broad path that leads to destruction, all you have to do to get on the other path is confess with your mouth. Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. And you, you enter into a relationship uh, with Christ. You know, it's a, it's a simple choice. The Holy Spirit is drawing people to himself and we can neglect and push that off and ignore him or we can say, I'm going to step in and I'm going to make that decision. And so all we have to do is confess with our mouth. Jesus is Lord. Believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. In Mark 16, 15, we're to go into all the world. That news that I just shared with you, that's to go into all the world. And we're to 
proclaim that good news to all of creation, to all of the world, to all the people that are on that broad path. We have the responsibility to help them to understand, hey, there is another path that leads to life. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole of creation that whoever believes and is baptized will be what? Will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. And so it's a choice between those two paths. And we need to encourage one another to get on the right path. And so if somebody's on the wrong plane or the wrong path, we need to say, hey, you might want to get on the other path. You know, whoever believes and is baptized is going to be saved. Jesus gives us clearly two choices in our passage this morning. He gives us two choices, and each one of us has to wrestle through which one we're going to make. He gives us the choice to enter the narrow gate, which is a life for Jesus. It's living for Jesus. It leads to new life. There's very few people that travel this path because it's hard. Have you ever felt like you're the only Christian in your workplace? Have you ever felt like you're the only believer in your neighborhood? Have you ever felt like you're the only believer in your community? You know, think about how few people have a relationship with Christ. It's a reality that if you have a relationship with Christ, statistically, you're one of the few in our community that have a relationship with Christ. There's not very many people traveling that path, and so we need to encourage one another. Hey, you're not alone. This is why we, this is why we need to meet together. You know, this is why in Hebrews it tells us not to forsake meeting together. All the more as we see the day approaching, we need to encourage one another. Hey, you're not nuts. You're not crazy. You're doing great. And, and we come together on Sunday mornings and we hear God's word and it transforms us and we get to worship and we're involved in small groups and we, we grow in our faith and, and we serve in the context of building up and strengthening the body of Christ and we're missionally living to help others to be able to do the same. And so, but there are very few people that are traveling that narrow gate. And so if you feel like you're alone, you're not. You're here. We want to encourage you in that. But the wide gate, that's the one where there's living for the world. It's doing my own thing. It's being open-minded. That pathway leads to destruction. Many people travel that path because it is easy. You know, so each of us has a choice to make, and Jesus presents us with those two choices, and each one of us has got to make a decision about that. He presents us with two choices, and then he also gives us two warnings. Jesus presents us with two warnings on our passage this morning, and then he, he gives us two warnings. He warns us about uh, false prophets, and he warns us about um, false uh, confessions. False prophets are people who say they speak on God's behalf, but they don't. And then there's people that have false confessions who say they have a relationship with Christ, but they don't. And so he warns us in uh, verses uh, 15 through, uh, through 25, he says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing." But inwardly, they're ravenous wolves. They look like sheep, nice and soft and friendly, but on the inside, they're ravenous wolves looking to devour and destroy. You're going to recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or fig trees? You know, do, do, does every healthy tree produce bear, good fruit, but the diseased tree? trees are going to produce bad fruit. I mean, you're going to know them just by looking at them in their ministry. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is going to be cut down and thrown into the fire. And you're going to recognize them by their fruits. And so Jesus warns us of these false prophets who are going to come to you in a sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. And so we need some discernment with regard to how to test the false prophets. We need, some, we need some discernment on how to understand who's teaching the truth and, and who is not. The number one way that you know somebody is teaching the truth is they've got their Bible open. 
Have you ever had a conversation with somebody that says, hey, I want to talk to you about this? Bring your Bible with you. Because if it's rooted in here, we know that truth's in here. You know false prophets because you, you hear things or you see things that you, that you don't find in Scripture, and you think, hey, wait a second, that doesn't make any sense. If it doesn't match up to Scripture, then it's probably false. And we are living, and this, this message is so important today, because we, have, we see churches popping up, everybody has a platform on YouTube, uh, on social media. I mean, we're seeing a proliferation of just information that's going out. And it's not all true. I don't know if you know that. I mean, if you've ever done a Google search for how to get to heaven, you'll find multiple answers for that. I mean, the internet. I mean, it just there's so much information out there that we need to be more careful today than at any other point in history. There's just so much information out there, and a lot of it is wrong. And we're living in these last days. And we're closer, to the return, we're closer to the return of Christ today than at any other point in history. We're closer to the return of Christ today than we were last week. And so as we move forward into time, we get closer and closer to that time that Christ is going to return. And we're in the last days, and, and Jesus is routinely encouraging us to make sure that we're testing what we're hearing and, and we're aware of false prophets. All throughout Matthew, especially in Matthew, Jesus really encourages us um, to watch out for false prophets. In Matthew 24 alone, he says in verse 5, many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. In verse 11, it says, many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. In verse 24, for false Christs and false prophets will arise, they're going to perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, the elect. I can't think of a more important time, a more important warning for us today than to make sure that we are rooted in truth and in Scripture. Churches are popping up everywhere. Social media is flooded with content, and we need to make sure that we're not being misled. Jesus said you're going to know them by your fruit. And so just by just some quick signs for how to know if you're talking to somebody that's a false prophet, you just look at their doctrine. Look at the way they live and look at some of the results for their ministry. You know, doctrine is important. A church leader asked me once, um, I was talking to some uh, leaders in the community, and I told them, you know, I'm pastor of such and such church, and, and we were talking about, um, uh, I think the question was, are, are, you, are you one of those uh, Bible, Bible churches? I said, what do you mean my Bible church? I was like, well, I think so. What, you're not? And, he's, and, and the question was, is, well, do you really believe that Jesus is really the only way to heaven? And so I was like, what, what church do you go to? <laughs> and so not every church believes that. That's a doctrinal position. At Springbrook, we believe that Jesus is God. We believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. We believe that he rose from the grave. We believe that the Holy Spirit is God, that there's one God existing in three persons. And not every church believes that. I don't know if you know that. Not every church believes to a biblical worldview. And they don't hold to Scripture. The Bible is foundationally important to our ministry. Doctrine is important. And so you need to test what I'm saying. You need to test our pastoral staff. You need to test the things that we're saying to make sure that they line up to Scripture. In 2 Peter 2, 1, it says, False prophets are going to rise among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying Jesus who brought them, bringing them upon themselves, swift destruction. And so we need to test our doctrine. And we need to look at, we need to evaluate the lives of our people that are leading our churches and our congregations and our ministry. You know, the goal of ministry is to reach 
others for Christ and to make disciples. That should be the goal of every Bible-believing church. We're here to help other people have a relationship with Christ and we're to grow people in their faith. That's why we exist. That's the commission and the commandment that Jesus has given us. And that's what underlines our and undergirds our ministry. The goal is not money. You know, when I was growing up and we had, uh, every once in a while, I'd turn on a, a television evangelist or something, they'd be talking about, they'd be talking about how much money they needed for their ministry. And, and uh, there was a church where I was growing up in Tulsa, the pastor said that, it, that if he didn't raise $10 million, that God was going to call him home. And I'm thinking, wow, that just doesn't seem like what we're supposed to be teaching people. We, we use the finances that God has entrusted to our care. If we have $10, we're going to use our $10 to reach our community for Christ. If we have $100, it's going to be $100 to reach our community for Christ. If it's a million dollars, it's going to be to reach our community for Christ. And so finances enable us to do ministry, but that's not what we're about. We exist to reach our community for Christ and to make disciples. We want to make disciples that are reaching our community for Christ. And so we need to evaluate our ministry and our doctrine, and then we need to take a look at the lives of our leaders. You know, in Jeremiah 6, 13, it says, From the least to the greatest, everyone is greedy for unjust gain. And from the prophet to the priest, everyone deals falsely. And so there are going to be false teachers and false prophets that rise up into false churches, and we need to test those things. What is a church about? How, how do the lives of their leaders reflect their vision and their mission? And then what are their results? You know, when you look at Springbrook, I hope that you see a ministry that is reaching their community for Christ, and that you are growing in your faith. Do you realize that your lives are a reflection of our ministry? And so somebody can talk with you or can talk with people in our congregation, and they can make assumptions about the fruit of our ministry based on what they see in your life. So we want to make sure that people at Springbrook understand what it is we're supposed to be doing and why it is important, because those are a reflection of being a true church. And so I want people to be able to evaluate my life, our doctrine, and our results, and be able to say, this is a church that I want to belong to. This is a church that I can feel excited about getting behind and being a part of. You know, we need to make sure that our lives, our ministry, all reflect, you know, the realities of the promises we have in Scripture. We're, we're rooted in Scripture. And that's important. It's important that people know that because that's how we read out false prophets. And then Jesus gives us a second warning about um, false confessions. He says this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. That should cause us all to ponder. When I stand before God, am I going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant? Or am I going to hear, I did not know you? You know, we need to make sure that our faith is genuine, that we understand what it is that we believe. Our confession of faith has nothing to do with how good we are, how often we go to church, how often we pray. You know, in in fact, some of the fruit of the false confessions were, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do mighty works in your name? Look at everything that we're doing. Aren't I going to get into heaven based on that? You don't get into heaven based on your works. Our confession of faith has nothing to do with how good we are, how much we pray, how much we go to church. In fact, in Acts chapter 10, there's a gentleman named Cornelius. He prays routinely. He fears God. He gives to people in need. He is a respected leader. And in chapter 11, it says he is not saved 
until he hears the good news about Jesus from Peter. And so it's not, our, it's not our works that get us into heaven. Our confession of faith is believing that Christ died on the cross for our sins. It's by grace that we've been saved through faith. It's faith that we have the assurance of salvation. It's, it's a gift that God offers us all. It's like, hey, if you're on the wrong path and you want to get on the right one, it's a gift. Just do it. By grace that you've been saved through faith. That's not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. Our confession of faith is that we are secure in knowing that we are going to experience the kingdom of heaven for all eternity because of our faith in Christ. And it doesn't even matter the amount of faith that we have. Faith, faith as small as a mustard seed will save you. And, so, and then we grow in our faith as we, as we mature and as we study God's word, as we encourage one another. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is evidenced by his working in our life. It's evidenced by the fruit of the Spirit that people see through our, our love for one another, through the joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so evidence of walking by the Spirit are fruits of the Spirit. This is not evidence of being a person of faith. Prophesying in your name, casting out demons, doing many mighty works are not evidence of somebody having a relationship with Christ. It's that public confession of faith. It's living and walking by the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Jesus has given us two choices, two different paths that we can choose from. And then he's giving us two warnings about false prophets and about false confessions. And then he ends this passage with an encouragement. He enters this, he ends this passage with an encouragement. He says, I am the foundation. People who hear my words and do what it says are secure in their faith. And that's what we see in verses beginning 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew, and they, they came to bear on that house, but it did not fall because it had been built on a foundation of rock. And Jesus is that rock. He is the foundation. When you build a life on Christ, you're going to be able to withstand the trials and the tribulations and experience peace. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand the rains fell, the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat against the house, and it fell. And great of a fall was it. It was. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them can be secure. That's our encouragement. That if you have faith in Christ, that you have built a house on a firm rock, on a solid foundation, and you're going to be able to withstand the things that come your way in this world and this life. You're going to be able to know that you are, you are living and experiencing the kingdom of God and you're experiencing that for all eternity after Christ comes and, and returns. And those are, those are guarantees and, and those should bring you encouragement. Everyone who hears these words and does them is going to be like a, a wise man who built his house on a rock. You're going to be able to withstand the things of this world when your house is built on a firm foundation. You know, we need to, to be able to focus on Him and not be distracted by the things of this world. And, and the fruit of the Spirit is living in us and gives us, giving us evidence of our faith. And the good news is that, that we can stand sure and secure in who we are in Christ. And that's the encouragement that we get from Jesus in Matthew 28. Jesus, right before He left the disciples, said, all authority on heaven and, and on earth has been given to me. All authority has been given to me. You can trust me. 
All authority on heaven and earth is his. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. Help other people to understand how to have a relationship with Christ. Help other people to be able to grow in their faith. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. The list that we get from the Sermon on the Mount is not just some nice list that we can look to to experience the kingdom of heaven. We must be obedient to them. We need to look for ways to put them into our lives. We need to be living them out. And that's what our series of the Sermon on the Mount was all about. It's, it's helping us to be able to experience the kingdom of heaven. We're not just sitting around waiting for Christ to return. We can experience, we get glimpses of heaven today. And as a result of Christ working in our life, we know that our foundation is secure. And I hope that that is encouraging to you. And so I want to just encourage you this morning that if you're not clear about your relationship with Christ, you know, the first step is, hey, I'm on the wrong plane. I want to get on that other path. And when we talk about getting into that first chair, when we talk about getting connected, we're talking about helping people to understand how do I cross that line of faith so that I can begin to explore the fullness of of who I am in Christ. And so being connected is about understanding my, my need for a relationship with Christ. It's about connecting vertically to God, and then it's about being a part of the local body of Christ, where you can continue to grow in your faith. And so we want to help people get connected. Then we want to help them to be able to grow in their faith. We want to equip them for ministry, and then we all want to live missionally as we seek to reach our community and our world with the good news. And so as we prepare to end this series this morning, I just want to encourage you, if you haven't had a chance to listen to some of the other messages in this series, it's a good opportunity to, to go back and to listen and think about, hey, how do I evaluate my life in light of the hope that I have? Is my faith real? Are, are, am, I, am I being influenced by false prophets? Are the people around me encouraging in me my faith? Am, am I being built up in my faith? Am I on the right path? Am I growing? And then are you encouraged as you think about the reality that if your faith is in Christ, it is on solid ground? And this morning, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, it's as simple as asking. It's confessing and believing and getting baptized. And so if you have questions about that, we want to encourage you um, to get the answers to the questions that you might have. If you're watching with us uh, online this morning, well, there's a place for you to, to ask questions. Our online uh, hosts are available uh, to pray with you or ask questions. If you have questions about our relationship with Christ or if that's your next step, we want to encourage you uh, to stand up on the plane and say, hey, I'm on the wrong plane. I really want to go to Hawaii. Not that Milwaukee's not nice. I didn't, want to, I didn't mean to bash Milwaukee, but, but I, want to, I want to be on the right path. And we want to help you make sure you're on the right path. So just a moment, we're going to pray, and I'm going to ask you uh, if, if in your heart that's your desire, that you can pray that this morning. You can ask Christ to come into your life. He will. He'll set your feet on firm ground. And so if you have a relationship with Christ already, I would just pray that you would continue, that you'd be strengthened and encouraged in your faith as you think about what it means to be connected to the local body of Christ and what it means to live missionally in your family, in your neighborhood, in your world. I'm so excited about what I know God's going to continue to do as we move through Easter in this year. We're so glad that you were able to be with us. And uh, would you just pray with me now? Father, I just want to thank you uh, for this day you've given us today. Thank you for Jesus' uh, Sermon on the Mount. It's interesting to think about uh, the fact that he sat down on this mountainside and he went through the whole thing <laughs> within the day. So I don't know if it was 15, 20 minutes, or maybe it was a couple hours, but uh, God, thank you for the opportunity that we've had uh, to just kind of unpack uh, what that looks like in our life. I thank you for the work that you're doing in and through us individually and collectively here at Springbrook. And uh, God, I just thank you for my friends, for the opportunity we, we have to be together this morning. 
And this morning, if you don't have a relationship with Christ and you're kind of wondering what path you're on, if you want to make a decision in your mind, uh, then you can just pray, uh, just pray this prayer. Father, as best as I know how, I'm asking you to come into my life. I believe that you're God. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you rose from the grave. And as best as I know how, I want you to be in control. I want to be on that right path. And uh, God, if that's, uh, if that's your prayer this morning, then we would love the opportunity to connect with you and help you be able to take your next steps. Um, God, I just pray that you strengthen our ministry, prepare us as we move towards uh, Easter, the celebration of the resurrection. Uh, God, what a great and glorious day to celebrate. And so, but I, I thank you for this time we've been able to share together today. I pray that you guard our hearts and our minds and our eyes for you and for your glory. And I just pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. We'd love to invite you one more time to stand as you are able. Let's respond in worship and praise to the word that we've received from the Lord here together this morning.
Amen. We want to thank you once again for being with us in the house of the Lord to worship together this morning. We pray now that you will go in faith and hope to love and serve the Lord. Have a blessed, blessed week in him. And we will see you next Sunday.